In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, the sermon uh, this morning is uh, quite lighthearted uh, and whimsical, while, of course, being incredibly soul-searching and incredibly powerful. Uh, but I couldn't get the 745ers to really uh, buy into whimsy. So you've been primed by that great um, children's sermon, so work with me, people. Um, I'm going to preach on just one sentence, just one sentence that Courtney just read from the gospel today. This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. That's all I'm going to preach on. This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. It, all of the gospel is packed into that short sentence. This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. Um, the sentence is a complaint. The religious types notice that the tax collectors and the sinners are coming near to listen to Jesus. But not only does Jesus preach with them, he welcomes them. And he sits down with them and he eats with them. And so the gospel is packed into three words in this short sentence that uh, I want to unpack. The first is welcome. The second is sinners. And the third is eating, is, is, is in the eating. Welcome sinners eating. This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So let's talk about welcome. I mean, how important is welcome? That's why we say and mean every time, welcome to Christ Church. Warm welcome to Christ Church. We're so glad you're here. We make a big deal at newcomers. We're so glad we want you to be here. I mean, because who doesn't long to feel welcomed? Because most of us feel like we're on the outside looking in most of our lives. That's why, you know, when you invite people over your home, then you, you should be always at the door or maybe even outside the door, and you, you welcome them. You actually say, welcome. <laughs> I'm so happy to see you, and you give them a hug or a smile or a handshake, and then you, you usher them in, and you take their coats off, and you hand them a drink, and, and you have them sit down, and you say, you know, you're, you're cognizant that they brought with them. It takes an some effort to get to your house. And you're cognizant that they brought with them woes and burdens and chains and worries, just like every single one of you have brought into Christ Church this morning. All of us, and me too. And what you want to do is you put their coats in the closet, is give them space to put their worries in the closet too. And you say, we're so glad you're here. You want them to feel like they're walking into the theme song of cheers. Sometimes you want to go, I'm not going to have you sing it. I'm not that whimsical. <laughs> Where everybody knows your name, and they're oh so glad you came. Welcome. Couldn't be more important. I was at a tailgate last Saturday, and um, I'm not just giving a, 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 a lecture on manners, although manners are important. Um, and I was at a tailgate at last Saturday where I was shaking the hands of... Um, uh, of a middle school boy and his dad was right there and he looked at his his son and said all right give him seven give him seven that means five fingers and two eyes firm handshake straight in looking in the eyes and the boy was looking at the fried chicken uh, which is entirely a better thing I was looking at the Bloody Marys I wasn't even looking at the kids I mean, the boy can be forgiven for not wanting to shake a minister's hand on a Saturday morning at a tailgate. Uh, but uh, manners mean nothing, 
important but mean nothing if they're not rooted and grounded in love, right? Care for the other person. That's why manners are important. Manners mean nothing as a sort of social southern etiquette or something. I guess Yankees have manners too. Anyway, so, um, uh, it, but they mean nothing unless it's rooted in actual care and concern for the other, which is, of course, the heart of welcome, which is why it's so important that Jesus welcomes people, welcomes them. And moreover, he welcomes the people that the religious types of the day actively shunned, opposite of welcome, the sinners. And so we've talked about welcome. You know what to do at your next dinner party, stand outside the house. Um, you, now we're going to talk about sinners, the word sinners. Now, there are two equal and opposite egregious um, errors that the church falls into with, with the word sinners, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay them out for you, and you come likely from one side or the other, maybe, maybe not, maybe you're just in the middle, but um, there are two helpful, unhelpful strains. Maybe you grew up in a more super conservative or fundy-ish church where it was just hammered into you that you were just worthless that you were just a sinner, you were terrible through and through. Um, it's amazing that anybody having grown up in that strain of the church can find their way into a church at all um, after that. But uh, maybe you heard sermons like the famous sermon from the 1995 English comedy Cold Comfort Farm. Go look, look it up. Ian uh, McKellen, uh, before he was Gandalf, plays this um, fire and brimstone preacher, and he begins his sermon, "Ye miserable crawling worms! <laughs> Have you come, old and young, matred and virgins, if there be any virgins among you? <laughs> Which is not likely, the world being as wicked state as it is. Have you come to hear me tell of the great crimson licking flames of hell? All right, wasn't that funny? I should have done it better. So, um, <laughs> but if you come from that kind of background in any sort of way, um, you're likely to wince when you hear the word sinner. But the other extreme is, is um, just as bad, TBH. It's the more liberal Protestant side of the, of the church, Episcopalians like us. Um, you wince for different reasons when you're called a sinner. One of our, this true story, one of our young seminarians this summer was doing an internship um, at, a, at a church in the Northern Neck, and she preached a typical Christchurch sermon, which you know we talk about sin, the reality of human beings. And she talked about grace. And um, so at the coffee hour afterwards, she had a support committee that kind of sidled up to, next to her and um, he said, oh, good, good job. And then, and then they said, um, um, well, um, well, well, we don't really... Um, talk about sin here. <laughs> okay, dearie? <laughs> and um, they said, after all, we're Episcopalians. <laughs> Talking about that is in bad taste. Besides, we're all very good people here. Another, uh, another proof that Episcopalians do not read their Bibles. Um, so, so you've got both sides. Maybe let's find some common ground about sin. And we will now turn to the great theologian, 
Britney Spears. Oops, I did it again. That's what sin is. Oops, I did it again. Oops, I did it again. Brittany's too lowbrow for you. How about Thomas Cramner, Confession of Sin that we say each Sunday in the Anglican Book of Common Prayer. We confess to God those things that we have done that we shouldn't have done. Those things that we haven't done that we ought to have done. Is there a single person who cannot relate to that confession on the deepest level all the time? Show me that person. He or she doesn't exist. So um, if you're following me here, um, that's what we mean by sinner. Just, uh, oops, I did it again, and like I keep doing things that I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I want to do. That's what we mean by sinner. And those are the people that Jesus welcomes, the, the people that can't welcome other people. Um, that, that means that Jesus welcomes us all because we're all in that boat. He welcomes you. He welcomes me. He welcomes the sinner. He welcomes this fellow, welcomes sinners and eats with them. Sinners. Dave Zoll, our own children's sermon, uh, sermoner, tells us why our understanding ourselves in this way is a good thing in his explanation for the new book that is about to be launched called Low Anthropology. Uh, and FYI, every single one of you and your neighbors are invited to the Woolen Mills on Tuesday for his book launch. Uh, and he's starting a class in the Gibson room uh, right after the service at 10 o'clock to talk about it. So want more of the same, then come down there. Um, see the uh, bulletin for the info. We want, we'd love everybody to be there. But he says this. Here's the thing. He says it better than I can. By editing out all the less savory stuff about our humanity, we also snuff out solidarity, empathy, and vulnerability. We snuff out love. Humor, too. All of a sudden, we think that we're the only one with problems. The only ones barely hanging on. The only ones who don't belong, who are outside the welcome. But thank God that the truth of who we are is much more comprehensive. This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. Let's talk about eating now. Welcome is important, but eating, of course, is essential. Everybody thinks about eating all the time. This, I save this to the last part of the sermon because now you're going to think about eating. <laughs> Stay with me. It's the best part of the sermon. But we love to talk about eating, all the shows about eating, all the blogs about eating. I look at the New York Times food section all the time. And not just gourmet eating, but uh, in terms of just the universality of it. Who doesn't have their favorite order of photos and have you ever been asked about it? <laughs> like you love to tell people about that and or ask about it. In my 30s, mine was um, pastrami and Swiss uh, with lettuce on a sesame with mayonnaise and um, horseradish. Now it's a Cleo salad uh, <laughs> in my 50s. 
used to be Cleo salad with chicken until my 24-year-old daughter made me stop um, eating any meat that wasn't local. So now my life's sad. Um, so, <laughs> but we, you know, you, you think about eating all the time. And, but why do we think about it? Because on the most basic level, uh, food tastes good. We love the taste. It's comforting. We love the taste. Taste is crucial. The psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste. Think about taste. You have to get right up close to taste. Don't you? You've got to go inside. You can see, you can hear, you can smell, you can even touch if you're holding somebody at a hand's distance, at a distance, hand's length at a distance. Can't you do all those, but not taste. You can't taste anything that's away from you. Taste is inside. Taste is immediate. Taste is intimate. One more thing about taste. Think about this too. Everybody can taste. Not everybody can see, not everybody can hear, not everybody can walk, not everybody can talk. Everybody can taste. Everywhere, everybody can taste. Taste is for everyone. So the point here about eating is that Jesus, when he sits down to eat with the normal people, is saying God is everyone. Jesus is for you. Come up close, all of you, he says. His actual words are these. You know them. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. It really is in the eating that the gospel resides because eating is so important that after his last supper, Jesus surrenders himself to be broken on the cross for people everywhere so that we could all come near God Eating is so important that Jesus made sure that we all eat together every week in his name as we remember his sacrifice for us, for our sake. So you're all welcome. You're all welcome. As you kneel knee by knee next to your fellow sinner, your hands open, your mouth open, you take inside yourself into your most shameful, hidden, inward, secret parts, the body of Christ broken for you. Eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you. Feed on him in your heart by faith with thanksgiving. Amen.